Welcome to the Financial Dads Podcast with Paul Fagan and Jody Fisher. This is the podcast for all dads who want to succeed with life's topics, especially related to family and finances. Now here's my dad, Paul Fagan. Hey Jody, how are you doing today? Hello Paul, how are you? I'm doing well. Uh, fantastic. Uh, today's topic is life insurance, making sure that you have financial protection for your family. Uh, but before we jump into today's topic, let's talk about some news we saw this past week. I'm looking at the first news story that we've selected, and it's from CNBC, and the headline is Property Brothers. Here's when to renovate your home and when to move. And it's an interesting story. Um, I think my takeaway from it was, um, and I you said this on previous podcasts, where uh, you, know, you, you could always renovate from within um, but when it comes to the location, school system, etc., um, you really can't buy those after the fact. So I think that was kind of the gist of the, of the article, but I'm interested to hear your take on this article. Yeah, there are some interesting pieces in this article, but my first thought was lousy headline. They don't answer the question, really. <laughs> when, here's when to renovate your home and when to move. They kind of never really get there, but uh, that's all right. We'll give them a pass. Um, that said... Um, we, yeah, we've talked about this in past episodes, Paul, you, you really need to assess, uh, when you're considering moving or staying put, you need to assess what's better for you. I think both practically, financially and emotionally, um, uh, you know, we've warned in the past about getting emotionally attached when you're buying real estate or shopping for real estate, but it's no sin to be emotionally attached to the home that you're in. And so, um, when you're looking to make that move, if you're if that thought crosses your mind, you have to weigh all these things. I would go about, you know, just writing it down, sort of doing like a pro con kind of a you know piece of paper, write down the pros and the cons to moving versus staying put um, and, and see what works out. Um, but you got to you got to go into it with eyes wide open, especially on the financial part. Um, they talk in here about, you know, how memories are made in a home. Well, you know what? You'll make new memories in a new home if that's the right thing for your family. Um, but everybody's different and, and you gotta, you gotta assess it for yourself. So I would say just write all those things down and, and go from there. Yeah, that's great advice. And I think there might be another podcast here in the works. I know we've talked about home improvements and other things, but we really probably should do a podcast on major home renovation. I have a couple of friends that did it. Um, I haven't had the luxury of doing it, but it, I think it's a very interesting topic and very daunting. Uh, but I think between your knowledge and my knowledge, I think we could cobble together a pretty decent podcast where we talk about major uh, renovations to the home. So I'll maybe that's another my, topic. I'll bring my hammer and my reciprocating saw. That's it. <laughs> Sounds great. I'm ready to party. Um, the next story is from Time, uh, Time Magazine. And the, it's an old kind of uh, story, I guess. Well, let me take a look here. Struggling to repay your debt, the snowball method uh, could help. Now, this is admittedly an old story, but I think it's one of those timeless um, classics in terms of how to pay down debt. Um, and they talk about the snowball method, right? Uh, smallest to largest or in terms of debt size, uh, lowest interest rate to highest interest rate. There's a lot of different, or I should say highest interest rate down to the lowest interest rate and in payment. There's a lot of different ways, uh, a couple of different ways to do it. But Jody, what's your take when it comes to uh, paying off debt and the snowball method? I think the snowball method works. I mean, it's the reason that so many people have been so successful with it is because it actually works. And it's just the concept of attacking the smallest debt first and working your way up. 
Um, I think uh, I've heard people talk about paying off the highest interest rate first. Um, there is a mathematical logic to that, but there's an emotional side of paying off debt too. And when you see the number of debts that you have, not the amounts that you have, but the numbers of debts that you have start to drop off, you know, when you get rid of one credit card, then another credit card, then another one, and then maybe pay off something else. And it, that starts to have an emotionally accumulative impact on you. It starts to make you feel really good. Um, so, yeah, snowball method works. Um, if, if you've got a whole bunch of debts, you know, do what the snowball method recommends, which is writing them down smallest to largest. Start with the smallest one. Pay that one off first. You work your way up the list. It works. Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, and we've talked about this on previous podcasts when it came to college debt, I've always had a focused, intense focus on one thing at a time. And whether it was starting with the credit card debt, then moving my way through the uh, college debt, then moving my way on to home equity line, then moving my way up to the uh, house payment, the mortgage. Um, I've always tried to have that methodology in the back of my mind. So I think there's a, and you really have to be have intense concentration on the little one first and work your way up. So I think it's I think it, it still holds true. So for those of you out there that are struggling with debt, give it a shot, read the story, let us know your feedback. There's so. something else here that this, uh, as I read through, I hope I didn't skip over, but there's something else in this article that they don't mention. And that is once you pay off a debt, don't go back into debt. That's the thing that I think most people get in trouble with is that they pay off those debts or they pay off a bunch of them and they feel really good. And then they find that thing like, ah, oh, well, I really need that one thing. And then they throw it on a credit card and they're back in the same boat. So you got to promise yourself that once you pay off those debts, you stay out of debt. You don't, you don't go back down the same road that you just, you just drove. Yep. That's very smart advice. And one other thing I'll add to it is reward yourself after you pay off that debt, but don't put that reward on a credit card. So anyway. Good advice, good advice. <laughs> so, okay, so and now that we've done our news stories, on to the weekly topic, life insurance, uh, and making sure you have financial protection for your family. An incredibly exciting topic, um, I say that um, um, in jest. Um, for me, life insurance, uh, my current situation, I have life insurance through my employer. And my wife has the same. So we have a limited amount of life insurance that the employer provides. And um, on top of that, we have our own term life policies that are separate from our work policies. And on my second, and, and now I'm actually on my own policy, I'm on my second policy because I want to ensure to have coverage through when my youngest kid graduates college. And I think I mentioned this on a previous podcast that because I lost a lot of weight, my, my rates went down. So I was able to renew cheaper than when I originally bought it. Uh, but an interesting fact, and this is a very big lesson learned, and we'll talk about these in the topics today, but when I went to go buy life insurance, um, you know, it, it was a, I don't want to say it was a rushed situation, but my son was about to be born like a month from, from the time I bought it. And uh, I, I got sold a policy by a insurance broker um, who I told him I wanted term insurance and he sold me term insurance, but he didn't sell me what I think I, what I, what I thought I wanted. And what I mean by that is there's different types of term insurance. There's level term, um, or non-level term insurance. And we'll go into these topics, but I bought a non-level term policy. It was a convertible term, which means you can convert it from term to whole life. So 
it was a little bit of a shady sales practice, I'm going to say, um, but I was a misinformed, uninformed consumer. And, and I'm going to go why... out on a limb and say that that was shady because he knew you didn't know. And so that qualifies for me as shady. But go ahead. Yeah, we don't use him anymore. I still use that same company when I bought the second policy and actually on both policies um, – at the same time, what happened was, now that I remember, I wanted to adjust the terms of the policies. That broker was no longer there. When I, my new rep, whoever that was, um, I don't deal with that person too much, but she understood my position. And I said, listen, I could go out and shop this among your competitors, but all I simply want to do is take what I have and give me this. I want 20-year level term insurance for me and my wife, requote it, kill the old policies, give me the new policies, and we're good. She was more than happy to do it. She knew what I was talking about, right? So um, it, it's definitely something to keep in mind, and we'll go into more details um, on this and what I mean by these different terms. I'm throwing a lot of terms out there at you, but that's really where I am. So right now, I'm comfortable with my insurance situation. I have enough life insurance in place to to cover either of us in the event of a catastrophic well, the, the, the ultimate catastrophic, right? So if, if something happens to me or something happens to my wife or both of us, um, the remaining family is covered. So Jody, what is your current situation when it comes to life insurance? Yeah, we've had life insurance for a very long time, uh, more than a decade. Uh, kids have been around for a decade, so definitely longer than that. Um, I think it's an essential part of the responsibility that parents have taking care of their family. Um, you know, not just the dads, moms too. You got to have life insurance, and you should have life insurance for, for you know, both parents or both guardians or one guardian or whoever's taking care of kids, um, needs to take care. You need to have life insurance to take care of your family. It replaces, you know, the way I look at life insurance, and I think the way a lot of people define life insurance is that it replaces your income after you're gone. And let's face it, at some point we're all going to be gone. So what happens if you're gone before you plan on being gone? In other words, you know, you know, early, right? Ter terrible accident, illness, whatever that is. Um, you don't want to leave the people who you leave behind in the lurch, in the financial lurch. Um, and so the plan that we have, which is a, which is a term life insurance policy, uh, regular payments, um, you know, we do regular quarterly payments. Uh, it's a 20 year plan. Uh, we got to, I got to start thinking about renewing it because I know it's coming up soon because I've had it for that long. Um, but the, the the amount of coverage that we have, essentially, if either of us, my wife or I, or both of us were to die, um, it would pay off all of our standing debt, everything. It would take care of it all, and it would create a little nest egg um, that would take care of at least a portion, if not all of our kids' educational expenses and, you know, some of their, you know, life expenses, things like school and clothes and food and all that kind of stuff. Um, you know, it's not, it's not a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, but it's a decent amount of money that I'm confident would take care of most, if not all of those types of needs were I to die. Um, and so it alleviates a lot of anxiety that I might otherwise have. Um, you know, every time, every day that we go out into the world, you know, anything can happen. Um, it alleviates, you know, a lot of financial anxiety about what happens if I go before I plan on it. 
Um, and I think that's the whole point of having a life insurance policy. It, it, it's just, it's insurance. It's, uh, I was about to say it's cheap insurance, but it is, it's insurance. It's, it's exactly what it is. It's, uh, and it takes care of the people who you might leave behind. Yep, that makes sense. And I think we've touched upon a lot of the topics in these opening uh, situation reviews, if I'm going to call them those. And, and so I'm just going to jump into each topic because I think they're incredibly important. Right. So the first one is uh, its importance in the worst case scenario. So I always use the the, the airplane scenario. Right. You're in a plane. Uh, you go down. Uh, you're with your family. The whole family goes down. You're with your wife. Then your kids are left by themselves. You know, so there's all these different things that can happen. And why life insurance is so important, and you hit it on the head, is you have to replace that income. And it's not just replacing your income, but you have to keep in mind that, you know, if your wife or, or, or God forbid, I have to stay home with the kids, I have to not only replace, you have to replace the larger income, typically, right? And you have to account for things that you wouldn't normally account for. And that's uh, childcare, daycare, bringing in help, whatever that accounts for. Um, that's another thing to do. You have to write it down. So if you were to pass tomorrow, what situation would your family be in and how do you replace that income? So I think that's important to sit down and, and calculate and make sure you have enough insurance in place in order to make sure that your spouse and your loved ones are taken care of in your absence, right? And I think in terms of calculations, you have to make sure you're accounting for all these different pieces um, to make sure that you don't come up short because that's the worst thing to happen is there's already going to be enough pain in the family with one person gone, right? So you have to alleviate some of that pain by taking the financial burden off of the situation. I think it's such a big, big thing and it's so important to have it in place because there's so many other things that come into play with a death um, that you won't even you can't even imagine until you're in the middle of it, I would I would think. And so taking the financial burden off of your loved ones is key and, and make sure you're calculating and writing it down and, and making sure you have enough in place to cover you. Jody, what's your thoughts when it comes to the importance of it and the worst case scenario? Yeah, like, like I just said, essential, essential if you have uh, dependents, uh, whether that's a spouse or a partner uh, or kids or all of the above. Um, and you just, you just got to do it. Um, and it, it, it pays for the stuff. It pays the bills that are still going to be around when you're not. Let's look at it that way. Right. So whether that's the mortgage or college or, you know, daycare or food or the light bill, it pays the bills that you would be paying if you were still around, but you're not. Um, and so it's, you know, it's, I mean, let, let's call it what it is. It's love, right? It's, it's loving the people who, you know, after you're gone, you're still, uh, you're still able to take care of them with insurance. It's absolutely essential. Yeah. And I'm going to paint, you know, I, I know this is a very grim topic, but I do have to paint one scenario that popped into my, my mind, Jody, as you were talking. So God forbid it's a husband and wife and they're driving along and, you know, there's a horrific car crash and the husband dies. But there's a chance the wife might be permanently disabled to the point of paralysis. Like there's so many worst case scenarios that you have to keep these in mind when you're planning your life insurance. So I hate to sound morbid and I hate to be the sky is falling. But when it comes to this topic, you have to be. 
Well, this is yeah, but the, exactly. This is one of those times where you need to think worst case scenario. And I'm a guy who always thinks worst case scenario anyway, because then 99% of my life I'm pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, take care of take care of things. It's part of a, it's being a grown up. I mean, it's being a grown up. Get yourself some life insurance. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So the next topic is really we threw out a bunch of terms: whole life versus term life, and what the difference is. Um, there's a lot of articles out there on the internet and a lot of um, informational sources to figure out what the difference is between the two. Um, the short answer is most of the financial experts today recommend term life insurance. And it's equivalent to uh, renting versus buying. I've heard it said in that scenario. So term insurance, it works like auto insurance. So when you pay for it, you have it. When you don't pay for it, you don't have it. Whole life is supposed to be a product where you're, you're, you're actually buying the insurance. So after a certain amount of time, you're not paying for it anymore, but it's still in place. But there's a lot of, a lot of fees. A lot of money is made on the whole life policies. Fundamentally, if you look at the research and you look at what's out there, insurance agencies and companies make their most money off a of whole life policies because the commissions are so much greater on whole life versus term life. And there's a lot of arguments around tax savings and investment vehicles. And if you're gonna invest, don't invest in your insurance, right? Buy some mutual funds, invest in your 401k, um, invest privately, don't, don't use life insurance as an investment vehicle. So for term insurance, it usually comes in 10 year, 20, 30 year increments, maybe 15, 25 in between, but I've seen it as 10, 20, 30 year increments. And the longer the term is, the more expensive it is. So the shorter the term, the least expensive it is. So what most families are doing, and I think we're in the same boat, Jody, you buy a 20 year level term. When you start out with your family, you get to a certain point, you look at your situation, expenses have gone up, your life has changed up or down, indifferent, whatever that is. And then you renew your policy with another set of terms. So, and the idea here is you want level term. Going back to my example, when I bought my 20-year policy, the payments for the first five years were very low. In the sixth year, they started to increase and increase. And by the eighth, ninth year, they increased dramatically. And that's what you don't want. When they talk about level term insurance, that payment is level for the 20 years. So if you're paying $100 a month, you're paying that $100 a month for 20 years. And there's no adjustment. So you want le when you get a quote, make sure it's level term insurance. I can't stress that enough. Level term. Uh, Jody, what's your take when it comes to term versus whole life and the differences? Yeah, agree. I agree. When I got my first life insurance policy, it was a whole life insurance policy. And it was described to me as just the term, the way you described it, Paul, an investment in my future. And I'm like, what? And there was this whole explanation about how, you know, what you put the money in and it gets invested in mutual funds or whatever the hell the investment vehicle was. And it'll build up to the point where you don't have to pay for your life insurance anymore. I was like, I, at the time, I don't know, I was in, I think it was in my 20s. And I'm like, okay, fine. Um, and you know, you get a few years in and it, it just starts to be this suck. And it's like, I'm, I'm continuing to put money in. I'm not seeing the investment that I would the, the, the returns that I was promised. And on top of this is getting more and more expensive. Like what the hell? Um, so I just canceled that whole thing out. I think I might've even taken a little bit of a bath, but whatever got out, got myself a good old 20 year ter level term life insurance policy. Um, uh, got one for me, got one for my wife. Uh, it's been the same price 
for the last more than a decade. And like I said, it's coming up on a point where I got to think about renewing it. Um, but it's there. It's never changed. It's all good. Um, and when we do renew it, you know, I'll be, I'll be a new client. Now that's the other thing to sort of maybe segue into Paul, you know, when, when I took out that first policy, I was, uh, I don't know, I was in my, maybe my early thirties. Um, and now I'm going to be 50. Well, a 50 year old is more expensive to insure than a 25 year old or a 30 year old. Um, lots of different health considerations. You know, typically you take, you know, health tests or things like that just to make sure that you're on the up and up uh, and that you're not, you know, you're not doing things like smoking or jumping out of airplanes or, you know, doing, you know, you're a high risk kind of a customer. Um, and so you're going to be a different client when you renew as you get older. Um, so just be prepared for that kind of stuff. And, you know, maybe even pointing back to the podcast we did last year, uh, last week, Paul, about, uh, about the cost of your health. Um, you know, make sure you're in the gym taking care of yourself and you got a, got a good clean bill of health because that's going to save you money on your life insurance too. Yeah. I was just about to say that Jody, I had jotted it down. If, if you're going to get a new policy anytime soon, uh, listen to our last podcast, right? Do that for <laughs> six months and then go get your policy. Cause I'm telling you, uh, for me, uh, the weight, the health made a huge difference in the quote. And, and I, my new policy was way cheaper than my old because I had lost 100 pounds. So I know that's a dramatic example, but every little bit helps. So uh, make sure you're healthy before you go for that new insurance. And getting um, a life insurance policy is kind of like when you when you uh, get your, your auto insurance too, right? You know, when you tick off all those things that you've got, you know, you got – I'm making this up, but like you got seat belts and you've got, you know, anti-lock brakes and you've got, you've taken the defensive driving course and you tick off all these things that gets you a better rate. Same thing with your life insurance. You know, if you're a smoker versus a non-smoker, they're going to ding the smokers. Um, all other types of, um, health complications that you might have, um, they're going to ding you for each of those. So the more of those that you can eliminate before you go for that life insurance policy, the better off you're going to be, the cheaper your policy is going to be. That's a great point. So, you know, and that's a good segue into, okay, I need insurance. How do I go get it? And there's a number of different ways to do it. I think for me, it comes down to uh, the quote aggregators. Um, shopping around has never been easier. Uh, now that we have the web, you could go to a website, put in your information, and it'll it'll get quotes from nine different sh insurance providers, and you can pick and choose which one you want. Just be forewarned, because I did that, and as soon as you put your information and click that button, within a couple of minutes, if not less, you're going to get a call from that first insurance company. Someone will call you, so be prepared for that. Um, and that was a little bit of annoyance. I didn't realize when I did that, but I had actually literally pressed the button literally less than five minutes later. I might even want to say less than a minute later, I got a, a 1-800 number popped up on my phone and it was an insurance company. Yeah, so no that's how fast they work. They work at the speed of light when it comes to, uh, getting you what you need. But in this case, I think it's worth it. Uh, when I looked at the different aggregators at the time, um, I wound up not going that route, but it gave me the firepower to go back to my current insurance company and say, listen, I, I went to the aggregators. I have all these quotes. You know what these quotes are. I didn't even have to show them to her. And she came back with policies that were in line with those insurance companies. The aggregators typically give you quotes. There's probably 10 to 12 different insurance companies in the world 
that are all giving the same type of insurance. So I wouldn't worry about uh, the health of the policy. It's all government regulated. Um, most of the companies are names you know. If it's a name you don't know, I would probably go more towards a name you know. Um, and I'm not going to give any plugs in terms of <laughs> insurance companies, but it's going to be the names you know. What are your What is your take when it comes to buying the insurance, Jody? Yeah, same. I think same opinion. And you know, I was just uh, jumping around on the web here looking for definitions of different life insurance terms, and I came across a. a a website called policygenius.com. Um, no plug, just referencing the URL here. Um, there are some really good alphabetized definitions of all types of life insurance terms. Um, but to your point, Paul, there's a big orange button in the upper right that says get quotes. And as soon as I click on get quotes, it, it asks me to put in my zip code. Um, and I guarantee you, if I put in my zip code and click another button, my cell phone's going to light up Absolutely. <laughs> with someone just like you said, which, you know, which is fine. And, and I think as you put it, it's a great starting point. Just be prepared for that call and don't buy from the first person who comes knocking on your door. Yep. And, and I think to go back to the scenario, everyone who's listening probably has a friend of a friend or an uncle or a cousin. Someone might be selling life insurance. And if they're selling it for a living, they're probably going to push whole life. And they're going to have a story for you on how great whole life is and why you should have it. And I have good friends of mine where I'll talk about life insurance and they talk about their whole life policies and they give me the, the same spiel that everyone else, you know, that the insurance companies could give me. And and some of them are, are very financially astute and I, I can't believe that they're drinking the Kool-Aid. Am I missing something? when it comes to life insurance, you know, term versus whole life. And I go back to our unnamed guru, our unnamed financial hero. I was just going to mention him, just going to mention him. And I remember talking to him about this and I, I, we were talking over coffee and I said, yeah, I have to renew my policies. He's like, yeah, I just go to one of those internet websites and, and put your, put your information in and just pick whoever you recognize. Don't even give it a second thought. And then everyone else uh, who calls you after you sign your policy, just just cut them short and tell them take me off the list. So um, if our buddy, who is our financial uh, superman, tells us term life is the way to go and just buy it through the aggregators, no need to talk to anybody beyond an operator on the phone or even just do it through the web, that's the way to go. So, yeah, and, um, and I, I agree with that because this is a guy – who will dissect the value of dropping off his laundry to have someone else to do it <laughs> rather than him doing it himself. And he'll dissect it from a perspective of the financial value of my time. If he's put that much thought into his laundry and he has that opinion that you just described, Paul, about life insurance, then I'm pretty confident that that's the right opinion. Absolutely. <laughs> one day. Maybe one day. We'll see. We'll see how we'll it see. goes. We'll we get gotta him. Come up, we got to come up offline. We'll come up with a nickname for him because I don't want to give his name away. Absolutely But not. like super fill in the blank, super somebody, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and, and definitely, definitely so. But but yeah, it was as simple as that. That was his, his 30-second blurb on life insurance. You know, term, level term, go to an aggregator, pick a company you know. They're all within the same price. Sign it up. If you don't have to talk to anybody, don't talk to them. Just get it done. Uh, get your medicals done and, and lock it in, right? That That's the key, right? So I think it's very cool. And that comes back to, you know, we were just talking about to pivot back to the life insurance salespeople, kind of the door-to-door, -door, the people that are doing it for a living. Beware of those sneaky combinations. Like I said, I'm not going to name the company or the person that sold me my first policy. 
And now the more I think about it on this podcast, Jody, yes, I'm getting angrier. But uh, but yeah, he sold me this combo because it was convertible. They call it convertible, convertible life. And that's oh, really there it not is. what there I it asked is. for. Even sounds good with the top down. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So for me, um, be, beware of those sneaky combos and know what you're buying. You have to know the full story. And even though I researched back way back when and I knew I wanted term insurance, that's all I kept hearing, I didn't know the nuances of term. And I didn't know about level term. So these are the kind of things that you only pick up maybe through experience. And hopefully those listening will learn from our mistakes. So Jody, you had a whole life policy. I had a non-level term policy that was convertible. We both sort of got sold a bill of goods. Then we woke up and realized, you know, level term is the way to go. Right. So I think that's very key. Um, One other topic I want to touch upon today, which is interesting, is the goal is to become self-insured. And this is an interesting topic. So as you get older, um, term policies will tend to expire. And as you said, Jody, um, if you try to buy term insurance at 60, 65, 70, it's going to be really high, in some cases prohibitively high. So the goal, at least for me, is to become self-insured. So that means over time, over the lifespan, you have enough insurance to me to cover while your kids are in college and through college. So Right now, our insurance covers us maybe a year or two after my youngest, Julia, leaves college, her undergrad. Um, And maybe at that time, I'll figure out, you know, if I'm going to get another policy, not get another policy. But my goal is to become self-insured. At that point in my life, I should have enough money in my retirement plan. I should have Social Security coming in. That's probably another topic. Um, uh, If it's going to be there or not, I'm counting on it being there. Uh, savings, uh, house paid, uh, lower lifestyle expenses. Um, Will you really need life insurance at that point in your life or will you be self-insured? So if something catastrophic happened to you, your spouse would be taken care of, your kids would be taken care of. There's enough money to, to bury you, right? I hate to put it that in those terms, but that's what it is, right? So we're all gonna end up there one day, so no worries. Yeah, they haven't figured that part out yet, right? The story ends the same way every time. So. Jody, what's your take when it comes to self-insurance at some point? I think the concept of self-insurance is you have more money in the bank than you would if you cashed in your life insurance policy. To me, that's the simple definition of self-insurance. And therefore, I have more money in my bank account or in my whatever it is accounts than I would if I cashed in my life insurance policy. So I'm going to dump my life insurance policy. Now, the alternative to that is you don't have to dump you know, a huge life insurance policy, you could scale it back. Maybe you just want to scale it back and have, you know, 10 grand to get you in the ground once you're dead or whatever, you know, that kind of thing um, to, to take that out of the nest egg that you might have otherwise put aside. Um, but yeah, you're right. Self-insurance is the goal. And that's the simple definition of it. you got more money in the bank that you would get from a from a life insurance policy. Well put, well put. And I think I didn't really think of it that way, but you're right to match what you have in your policy in savings whether it's a mix of retirement or or pure savings, whatever that is, that's a very good point. So I think to recap for today, um, I'm going to be a broken record. Level term, level term, level term. That's my recap. If, If everyone takes that away from the podcast today and you don't have insurance and you have to go buy insurance, level term, level term, level term. Make sure those, that's what you're asking for and make sure that is exactly what you're getting. Jody, what's your recap for today? 
Yeah, same thing I said to start off the podcast. The life insurance takes care of the people you leave behind when you're gone. So figure out how much they're going to need after you're gone and get that size policy and just go out and be a grown up and go get it. Um, it may be money you weren't, if you don't have a policy, it may be money you weren't planning on spending, but it is the smart thing to do. It's the kind thing to do. It's the loving thing to do for your family. Go get it, um, factor it into your budget, um, and, and get it and get it long term. And I agree with you, Paul term, not whole, um, not digging any, any insurance salesman, but term is the way to go. Um, and, and get that policy, get it in place and keep it in place until you have so much money from listening to the Financial Dads podcast that you don't need that life insurance policy anymore. That's awesome. And, and once again, uh, Jody, I love your recaps. They're way better than mine. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> but level term, level term, level term. Well, Jody, I thoroughly enjoyed our discussion today and I am personally looking forward to the next one. Thanks everyone for downloading our podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at financialdads at gmail.com or check us out on, fi on Facebook. Just go to financialdads.com. So with that, this is Paul and Jody reminding you, managing finances can be stressful, but that's why the Financial Dads are here to help you plan for success. Have a good one, everybody. Be well and thank you.